Hey guys, hello and welcome to this week's episode of Making Good, a podcast about the people, products, ideas and initiatives doing the work the world needs now. I'm Lee Evans. This week's guest is Natalie Bauman, urban ecologist with the Swiss Green Infrastructure Consultancy and lecturer at the Zurich School of Applied Science. Nat joined me to talk about her more than 10 years work in the re-greening of uh, Paris in particular and France uh, further afield, and in particular the initiatives under Mayor Anne Hidalgo to widen access to the benefits of nature as part of increasingly urgent efforts to transform the city into a beacon of circular and ecological design. The conversation was framed around Lari pardon my pronunciation, an urban farm, repair cafe, sharing hub and restaurant in the, right in the heart of the city. But we touched upon a lot of the great initiatives and developments around Paris and even touched upon the way systems thinking is shaping its relationship with the agricultural areas beyond its periphery. Great conversation. Really enjoyed this. Um, I hope you do, too. Um, as always, if you um, if you do enjoy, if you could take a moment to um, to like, review and share in your social networks, that'd be awesome way to help our guests um, and, and the podcast um, to reach a wider audience. So, Natalie, hi! Thanks for joining me this week on the on the Making Good podcast. Uh, delighted to, um, to. Are you in Geneva at the moment? Is it Switzerland? Uh, yes, it's Switzerland, absolutely, in Basel, but close to Basel. You're in Basel at the moment, so um, say hi to Basel for me. I wonder if I um, if I could begin by asking you to um, well to introduce yourself, talk a little bit about your work. Okay, sure. So thank you very much for your invitation to have this uh, lovely exchange and interesting exchange as usual with you. So uh, so we're just rebuilding, re reframing the world. So that's always great to have this moment together, especially in, these, in those times. So, um, well, um, I'm an urban ecologist since uh, nearly now 20 years. And so my working field is really the city, urban cities, uh, to find solutions to get uh, biodiversity, to promote biodiversity, to uh, better well-being for the people living there, uh, but actually more, especially for fauna and flora, is is my focus on it. And I'm working at a University of Applied Sciences in Zurich, uh, where I'm a lecturer, a consultant and researcher. So I'm dealing with these three focuses, uh, which is actually uh, great, a lot of work inspiring because you combine the research with teaching, with um, training people in different life uh, moments, young and also already old grown uh, professionals to make a change and to try to to bring them to the change uh, to to a better climate in the cities and nature in the cities and all of that stuff amazing um so i this conversation which could have happened at any point um in the last um year or so given how long we've been we've been in contact was um was precipitated by um something that came up in our last chat about a place in paris called the recyclery is that how you pronounce it so um i want to get into the re really into the specifics because the way in which you were describing this particular project in in paris um really really stood out for me but I wonder if we could um, if we could pan back a little bit and um, and talk a little bit about um, what's happening the greening of France that's um, that, that's happening and 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 that you're in involved in and I, I guess the logical first step in that is to um, is to talk about the um, what collection of problems um, if we should if we can say it like this that um, that France and Paris in particular are, are experiencing right now. 
Exactly. So uh, you, you name it, REL, is, it's called in French, you would say, you say recyclerie, but recyclerie is actually lovely as well. Um, so um, I'm, I'm uh, going on and off in France since more than 10 years, also in, within my profession, of course. And I could really uh, realize and see through these 10 years or almost even more than 10 years uh, that there was a, a big need uh, concerning the ecology, the biodiversity loss. But it was really hard in this country, which is very consuming in energy and is really one of the top countries in the world with, uh, with really just dirty energy consumption, but also considering uh, nature, biodiversity, meat eaters, I just call it that way. So actually all the topics you're talking about now, climate change, et cetera, I would say France is really on the top list of being a big, big polluting country and has a really big impact also as a world player. So I could really experience that, but also I could experience and change because I was invited to come and talk about what we do in Switzerland, talk about first of all, the common topic we share since longer time, you and me is green roofs because we have a, a, a great experience, a long experience about uh, biological or biodiverse green roofs, ecological green roofs, and not just the industrial way to green the roofs. So just to build compensation surfaces within the city and, and also having a rainwater management uh, measure as well, just combined with this together. So actually two agendas. And so that was actually my entrance to France, to Paris, because this was the beginning of, of considering, um, if you just think back 2003, Paris was one of the city worldwide who had really, really big problems with the first, actually one of the first signs and heavy signs of uh, climate change, uh, a hot summer where lots of people died in Paris because uh, it was too hot in the city. They didn't have enough parks. They couldn't go out. So actually that was really a hard effect. So at that moment, a sensitive sensibilization started somehow, but it took time. And it still took time, takes time, sorry. Um, but within these 10 years, I could see a move also that France, as the first country in the world, just uh, developed a law, a national law, which was the law on biodiversity. So this is also the other side of France. Sometimes things happen quickly, sometimes it's getting really slow, but this was really a quick thing, which of course we can talk about it because it's not perfect, but I think there's actually no perfect law anyway, but it's a start because then a movement starts and it could be just a first step to do some changes, even if they are not perfect, or even if I see it, I would say um, there's a green roof paragraph as well, could have been written better because I was consulting in that, but the assembly change or choose something else, you know, so actually we can also improve that, but now maybe they need an experience, but still it's a national law, it has a big, big impact on it, which, for example, in Switzerland, we don't have that way. So, and I think also in other countries. So this is was actually what brought me to Paris, to France. And of course, with France, uh, with Paris, with the time we could see really a big change in the city um, with this law, and also with the change of the mayor now actually seven years ago. And the mayor, and Hidalgo, a woman again as well, which was perfect and brilliant to start with, just put everything on a speed level because she said we have to change now and not talk about only, you know, which was happened in the last year. So if you think about 2003 and when it really saw, so it took her 10 years and being the mayor to say, I want to have 
more green roofs. I want to have more green surfaces. I want that people enjoy surfaces, green surfaces to have to be healthy and to have a good climate. So actually, this is a big agenda in a actually very dense city as Paris, especially in the center of Paris. Actually, is the is the is the uh, densest city that you have worldwide in the center. So, and this is a big challenge. And I would say, you now if I just look back her six years, she did brilliant work and she has not everybody everywhere friends, but people living in the center of Paris are really their friends or her friends because she's really, they are on the agenda with her because it's about life quality. So taking cars out, stopping, changing into electric cars, whatever, but uh, how, planting more trees, doing more pedestrian sites, um, changing also, as you say, the in the background, the recyclerie uh, in my picture, that what you mentioned before, changing the way buildings, all buildings are rebuilt or renovated, having uh, ideas of multifunctional uses and not like it's only offices or housing is all together where people can meet, share and live together in a city which has as well lots of social problems like London or many cities in England, of course. But she is really tackling all these issues and, and tells the people we have to start everywhere and always to think really lateral and vertical in all senses to, to bring everything together. So having really a holistic perspective. Um, so this is actually the point where uh, I really saw a big change and this is ongoing. And I still also, when I teach in Switzerland, I always bring so many examples from Paris because for me is now the, the, the city in Europe, in Central Europe. And I'm not talking about Singapore and all this because they are, they are also doing well, but it's not a climate, it's not a situation. So if you want to talk about Europe, you have to take European cities and show them and show, look, it's possible. It's one person. She's standing in front of the whole assembly and she's really responsible. And that is really the point. She's responsible for the future of this city. And she's taking really this risk and this responsibility to help the changes. So there's an interplay there then between the um, between some of the national laws um, that you um, that you spoke about and the uh, and the executive power of um, of, of, um, of a forward thinking, ambitious um, ambitious mayor of Paris just before is is Paris you know like in many places um, in many cities that I'm familiar with that are um, that are advanced then maybe their experience isn't so representative both in terms of the problems but also the the aggressiveness of the solutions um, um, between um, you know between the, the capital or the major the major urban area and some of the other other cities so is um, just before we get more into um, into Paris is this um, is, Par is Paris a um, um, uh, a beacon separate from um, from the rest of um, from the rest of France, or does it share its experiences with Lyon, Marseille, with you know, with some of the other cities around um, around? Are they equally um, are they equally driving forward? Actually, yes, and I have to say, before Paris was actually starting to change things, there were other cities and regions. We call them regions now, and they already doing good work, but no one was talking about it because, as you said, it's actually a national focus you have in, in France. Is Paris? Paris is Paris. Is the center of France? Is has really its role since a hundred? I don't know many years, and this is still. I would say the problem if you want to show that there are other things happening in France. And this was 
actually to go back to my start into France is actually uh, first I was starting with Paris, but not that much happening there. But then I went into Nantes, Lyon, in the southern part of France, where uh, in really also in regions where there's more green still, forest is where, where brilliant initiatives started from really from the bottom uh, up, where people just took initiative and did permacultural projects, uh, farming in that way. So all these kind of things to such promote and protect the biodiversity already existed, but no one talked about it. You know, even the ecological construction, I went, I taught in courses where I had architects, they were just already experienced in, in, in building ecological, you know? So it was like, for me, wow, that doesn't exist in Switzerland or very tiny little bit, you know? And they wanted to know about green roofs. So it was like, it was for me like starting here because I had suddenly an audience which was already sensibilized and, and knew about different materials, the, the footprint, the, the cradle to cradle principles, um, the life cycle of materials. So it was like, for me, it was a kind of cream, creme, creme de la creme, audience but that I already experienced before I went really into Paris and the changes happened then there thanks to the mayor you know so you're right um, it's not only Paris but there are still some other regions which are a bit behind now even Paris and the other region but I think the exchanges the exchange happens and, uh, and, and I think many regions start to consider to see what do the others do and, and, and try to change that. But it's a political issue. You know, in the end, it's the same like in England or Switzerland. If you have parties or a majority who wants a change, then it's always easier. As this, you have conservative um, politicians, it will go really slow. It's, um, uh, w w there's a tipping point, isn't there? Beyond after after which certain things then start to um, start to flow through the system. There was an e an experience that most people who watch the news would be for, um, familiar with of the um, of the Gilets Jaunes protests, which initially started. I don't pretend to know um, the um, the nuances of French politics, but the thing which precipitated that was a um, the introduction of um, of a of a diesel tax, a fuel tax, right? Which was ostensibly. I understand that the language that Macron used was to um, was to say that this was part of a um, a movement to do what needed to be done for the climate rather than to take money. It may have been interpreted as something which was taking money or the state overreaching, but it was the language around its justification was, um, was climate, right? So was the, was the, um, was the experience of how the, um, the language of um, fighting, starting to fight climate change of the, at the national level, did that feed into how um, it's unfolded in Paris with the greening and with the measures, the traffic calming measures for air pollution for urban heat islands? Has it, did it change the way, do you think, that the language was um, constructed? It could be. It could be. It's difficult to say because in the end, the president of France, um, of course, has an, there's some influence between these mayors and, and the president, but still you have to see the president uh, of France is just right-winged and, and uh, the mayor of Paris, she is left-winged. So actually, of course, there's different perception, but I think the president was a bit forced as well, uh, also because of the climate um, strike movement and uh, the climate young generation strikers uh, to show that he has an interest in that and it's really true but the way he did it if I speak to my French my family because I'm, I'm originally from France and my friends there was actually there was 
lots of things in between and behind it, as usually, which was not well understand or understood, which of course means, and that's always a problem in France because it hits people socially. And, and this is very difficult strategy in France. Uh, either you just go completely through and you do it, or if you start a process and they can start to think about it, they will just say, but you know, I need to use my car to go work because all the public transports, they don't work well. And this is absolutely true in some regions in France. So it's first put them better and invest money into it before you tell us to pay more on my car. Because how, how should I go to work if, if, if uh, the bus or the trains are always late or uh, I don't know, whatever, you know. So actually that was the starting discussion and it was became uh, of course a, a whole thing which in the end even good people uh, who were for climate change and paying taxes said you don't really know now who are these people uh, just uh, demonstrating is it now just really these those one who are, are suffering a lot because of that or is it just people who want to well you know just waffle around and say i'm not happy and you should pay and whatever but that's a bit french as well you know, just complaining all the time and not doing anything in the end. That's a bit of cultural thing, but it was not always good um, communicated as well, you know, so as usual. Yeah, sure. And so <clears throat> one of the um, one of the other kind of connected questions that I have um, had about like communication and dissent, like tension around um, some of the um, some of these efforts that are going on. And it's and it's happening in many countries, right? The efforts that are going on at a policy level, a political level to make some of the changes we know need to happen. So like, for example, in um, during the, the pandemic in 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 London and some other cities, there was um, there's an effort to um, to close off the roads to make them um, impassable to um, to um, to motor vehicles. So you can cycle through you can walk through and increasing the pedestrianization and this is a great thing and it's a good thing but in london it seemed to be um it seemed to be the case that this was happening much more in areas where there was a little bit more money where people were a little bit more um cosmopolitan sophisticated well the better off um areas and it seemed like some of the benefits were following the you know the existing flows of um of wealth through the city and obviously, the the benefits of some of those interventions are much more um, much more felt in the um, in some of the more peripheral areas, shall we say? Like there are there are there are areas which will benefit more um, than others um, from um, from stopping cars to come through at at, um, at certain times. But this has created the the way in which this was done created um, created a lot of um, a lot of tension, a lot of um, a lot of friction has. Is this a good time maybe just to, to ask about these, these elements of um, the things that were done? No, maybe it's not. I'm going to edit this bit out now. Um, <clears throat> so what I wanted to say was um, it, there was some tension in London about um, about who got the benefit of these um, of, of some of these measures. And Paris in particular is very famous for um, for almost being like the original donut city. Right. In, the, in that the, um, the it's lit. The, um, the the poorer areas are the banlieue are on the um, on the periphery. Right. 
Um, so is there, has the, um, has the, the attempt by the, the left wing mayor and Hidalgo to, um, to, um, to introduce some of these measures, has she done better with trying to speak to some of the groups which don't get to experience the improvement so much? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, she has, because if I come to this kind of project, which I came across uh, in 2015-16, which was a big, big, big um, initiative from her side, it's called Reinventer Paris, so reinventing Paris. So it was about uh, renovating 24 sites in Paris, which belonged to the city. So it was actually the property of the city itself. So it was uh, neighborhoods or just some buildings, and they were spread out actually uh, all over Paris, mainly in the center, but in the periphery as well. So actually not in the real, real main center, but it was really goods dispersed, uh, dispersed. And um, so she was actually hitting this kind of project to say, okay, we need to renovate these uh, areas. That's clear because uh, it's not the standard it, it should be, but it will be um, the idea of this project that um, offices, architecture offices had to answer to it is to say, we need to have new modern solutions uh, about it. Like it has to be a mixed uh, use of, of this new area. So if it's a neighborhood, if it's uh, uh, only a building, it has to be mixed in its whole usage, you know? So living, housing, offices, um, producing, biodiversity surfaces, greening around on the roofs, whatever, but everything exists now in the whole world should be shown in this project and not be limited by norms and standards. That was a real, it's, it, it's forbidden, should go beyond it and show what is possible because this is an integrating people, children, all generation, poor people, uh, people living on the streets, whatever. Everybody has to be integrated, whatever function. Is it with housing? Is it with a job? Is it with recycling material? Is it with growing food and composting, whatever? Doesn't matter, but just create me new project ideas. And that was really when I when I saw this first time, because uh, with with the time I was also in, invited to be part of project, I was like, wow, wow, that was really a big step because it meant you have to work interdisciplinary. So architects had to find people, sociologists, ecologists, biologists, economists whatever to work together to develop this idea so that was the, for me the first time that happened I, i'm not saying it doesn't exist in this world but on a big scale surely not because otherwise our world i'm sure would look different so in that moment it was like okay you have to rethink together and share that and of course at the beginning it showed who is really seriously thinking about that and who is trying to do as it would look like, you know. So I was asked in projects where they just wanted my name. And if I asked back, what is the project about? Uh, what do you need? And I need to talk to you. There was no answer again. And these all just fall out. They didn't go on in this, in this process. And really in the end, you had really 24 projects which went beyond completely, but showed all this multifunctional uh, usage of it where people are really integrated. It doesn't matter what nationality, social state, doesn't matter. It's not about that. It's about creating something together. And uh, that was really the first time I was, I said, wow, 
I'm really proud to be French. I'm proud to know people from Paris because this is something you, you couldn't see until now, you know, and, and to be part of that movement to just observe it or with Philippe who was in project still is in it is really is a, is a great feeling of seeing that's a change which can happen. And I'm sure it could happen in any city, in any city of this world. It depends only on one personality and this was the mayor of Paris who just pushed that and she was really constrained and she never changed about that. So this is really uh, a, a brilliant thing. And La Recyclerie is one of these projects, of course, which was a, a, a railway station uh, in the center, really center of Paris, of this Petite Ceinture Verte, which used to be a, a, a train line. It still exists, but not used since the Second World War. And this was one of the stations because there are different stations there. And this is what should actually one of the stations is in the center of one of the of the um, uh, neighborhoods in Paris, which is very difficult. Uh, but where you have also the flea market, the most famous one, where you have really a mix of, of all the cultures. And this is where actually also that's really interesting to start this at the point. And this is one of the most emblematic uh, projects worldwide now is to show, look, this is a center where people can go into it. If they have no money, they are invited, they're welcome. They can have a glass of water, which is not normal in Paris as well. So if you have no money, you don't get a glass of proper and, and um, um, good water. And uh, you can stay there, you can go down to the railways, you have their greenings, you have orchards, you have animals, because this was all around it. The building was greened inside, outside. It's a farm, uh, urban farm, which was developed. It's a restaurant as well with vegan, vegetarian food. Is is a is a center point of exchanges and changes of repairing, of bringing materials, taking something way and bringing back so it's not only about the center of capitalism to grow and growth and to earn money of course the restaurant needs to do that but it's just one part and the rest is really in the circular economy way if you just like you would read it in a book you know it's like living that and that's one of the projects which i was involved very 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 early with with philippe and uh, he did all the greenings inside outside and and all the urban farming thinking and animal stuff so and i was uh, really following that process with him and uh, it's an excellency actually of how we could just live together and have something which is not about earning only money but just about sharing so it's really a sharing economy model and you have biodiversity included. So everybody goes there and feels well and feels supported. And it doesn't matter who you are. You can be a CEO, you can be a nobody. You just welcome, go into it and, and spend your time and be there. And that's in the center of Paris where it's not only about wealthy people, but about a mixtitude uh, of people just trying to survive. So the um, you were talking a bit. There's loads in there that I want to um, I want to explore a little bit, and I guess I'm going to need to post some pictures to this so that um, so that people can see. Although I, I'm going to post a screen grab of the um, of, what, of what you've got be behind you. So is it look like it looks a little bit like? So it's a walled garden. It's um it's an outside space with a with a with a building in the middle. So it's like a building with grounds. Is that um is is, is that right? And who did the um who did the renovation? Was this one of the 24 in the Ryan Von? reinventing of Paris um, project? 
No, it was one before actually, before they started with this reinventing Paris, but there was uh, actually also an initiative of, of, of people being in the event, event uh, management world. So actually more in bars and discos and stuff like that, but quite famous in Paris. Uh, as I was, uh, as, as they told me about that, but they wanted to make a change because they were not happy about how they lived and what they just, what was the topic about it, you know, making money about amusing, having fun only. And that's all, always in the night. So they wanted to have something through the day, of course, and something wealthy, ecological. So there was like, it's also interesting. Sometimes you have people from this side coming and not only the greens and ecologists and left-wing people, but also people who have concerns and they think, I want to do something else. This is not, this is not the way I think. And they're also in the mid ages, you know, so it's not at the end of, of their age or their life and not at the beginning, but actually, and that was quite interesting to see. And they were actually good position to get very quick uh, money because they had a good name in the world of Paris, in the construction world, in the event world, whatever. So they could find a lot of funding, but had as well problems. It's not only just all in pink, but the start was really good given, you know, that they could really start for it. And they had more issues later on, of course, for example, the animals, there were goats and rabbits and, and chicken. So uh, using also as, as waste manager, let's say, put it that way. And of course, for people to have animals in the city of Paris, which normally doesn't exist, of course, that was in the Middle Ages. But uh, they, they had problems because of the animal protection. Uh, because there were people thinking these animals are just, uh, is not right and not correct, but they followed all the things because Philippe was doing that and he has also a farming experience. So he could really show up. It's all in the, in the laws, but it was really like a war sometimes, you know? So it was actually the, the good side who tried to be bad for a good project because they thought the animals were not well um, cared or looked after, you know. So it was kind of these things and uh, other things like aquaponics. That was also an idea in this urban farming setting to build that up as well. So they could have this life cycle with, with fish and creating food. Uh, so that was also an idea, but that took actually, I don't know even if they have it now, but this is still in process because there are so many limitations because you have to understand, I think it's the same in, 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 in London or in the big mega cities, agriculture production in the city doesn't exist by law. So actually it's like in a gray bubble. So you don't know, is it, can you do it? Can't you do it? Because there's nothing. But many say it's not possible because they relate, relate, they link to the agricultural law, which is actually outside of the cities, you know. So, and that was really the the, the huge challenge, which is still, I think, but this is the, they have to face and Philippe had to face. So I know a bit about that, um, which brought lots of restriction. It, just if you think about producing food in the city and you want to sell it, through a restaurant and you cook this food of course as well so that was really um, a huge challenge and still i think is is not that easy to to change that now yeah it's i guess when you we think about a, a beautiful green space with lots of different activities and very egalitarian um that it's a, a beautiful idyll but it it, it sits within a, a matrix of regulations and permission um and and so on um <clears throat> in I mean, 
agriculture's uh, like having productive spaces within the city obviously it helps a, it ca- it can help a lot with some of the um, the issues around food miles food waste um um eating you know like f- through diet through eating um e- eating fresh um fresh food all of these all of these things but of course um of course you can't have people getting getting poorly but i guess the margins on something like this these this the, a place like this it would have to be an enormous productive facility to run on the um on the you know on the on the income um produced from um from this kind of um or the income derived from this kind of um food production so how does this how does a place like this um survive in, in in inverted commas does it does it have um does it is it is it bequeathed some like tax breaks is it allowed to exist in a different way from um from from other places is it at the grace of the of the city or or does it have is it a business you know that that has um that has ele- different elements that stack up to it being a for profit organization it's really it's a business actually the restaurant is actually the 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 capital or where the money is for for these products and of course the funding uh, is coming from outside if they want to bring in a new project so it could be grants from the city that that these kind of fundings exist as well but now to run the business is really the main uh, the central point is is the restaurant which is really is dealing very well if you go there i don't know of course in these times it's different but when i went there with my students we always have to reserve because it's full it's full. It's full at midday. It's full in the evening. It's full. It's a lot of people around the, the, the day. So it's always people going in and out. So it's really, I think that wasn't really the problem. I think they are more facing now challenges because if they have to close down. So as you said, the restaurant is closed. So where does the money come in and, and how does it exist, you know? And, and of course, this production idea, it's really locally, you know? And the idea of these 24 sites where everywhere has to be a kind of production idea to produce something, whatever it is, if it's in building, if it's outside building, it has really the idea of this locally. So the idea from for the mayor was to have all these seats and more and more within the city that you have little local uh, communities productive not to feed themselves, which wouldn't be possible, but to have a part of it, which can be be um you, you can use that they can have some production products within the city you know another thing is actually to use to reuse the canals because we're just talking about these 24 sites but they are just thought in a network of the whole city so you said okay it's a it's like a donut city so it has these canals it has these railways which are circular so to reuse that which was used in the in the first and the second world war which is very important to bring fruit from the outside uh, without any problems is to reuse them because they are not used anymore. And they was, was also be a part of the slow mobility to get out away from the cars. And outside Paris, you have lots of farmers, uh, lots of organic farmers as well. So they will use these transport way, which are really uh, sustainable and slow mobility to bring in food, to take out waste, which is not usable via compost or whatever. So really to find the best ways, and this is really a, a big, big challenge to get really the footprint as, as, as low as possible. 
And, and this is the network which has to be built up within the next years, uh, 10 years, 20, 30 years. And they started actually with this 24 sites or with La Recyclerie to show the example. And now it has to grow and grow in order to really be self-sustainable in a certain way and to have very slow distances to bring food in uh, through canals, through railway Uh, public transports and not by car and diesel, all these these kind of resources. So the um, <clears throat> there's been a lot of um, of of talk recently about the um, the plans to um, to um, to add green space around um, the Champs Elysees, around the um, a new park around the, um, uh, the the Eiffel Tower. It sounds like though that it's not um, it's not only or even primarily a case in um in paris of um you know of of this signature um you know um tourist type of destination um greening which are which are important right and the, and the fact that these things are happening is a it's like it's, it's symbolic of the great of the of the strides that we're making but it sounds like um <clears throat> what you're articulating really is a Thinking about Paris in closed loop terms, with its um, with the um, with the external um, environment, and it's and it's thinking about how to reduce the um, really how to think about the, um, the 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 city as a system, in which the um, in which nature and um, and um, the fossil uh, the fossil decarbonizing rather the um, the um, the means of production is um, is being planned at an at entirely at a, at a city level. Is this um, is this something that's is it conceivable that this kind of approach can spread to other cities um, that you're familiar with in in, in your well prior, prior question to how, to what extent is this influenced by the other mayors in the C40 organization in the cl the climate leadership from around from around the world? Do you know much about this organization and the role it's had in formulating this plan? No, I just know, I, I don't know a lot about it, but I think, uh, of course, it's it's surely influencing them, um, especially those mayors who really want to make a change. Again, here we are in the same political agenda, uh, but of course, uh, she plays there an important role as, as far as can from far away uh, read that and hear that. Um, the question is always, um, again, uh, she has a period of six years and he wasn't sure if she's going to be re-elected. Uh, happily happened, but that's also an issue. So if she wouldn't have been, so the question, who would be the successor? Which party? And in this kind of structure, political structure, like we have in most of the countries, uh, only not in Switzerland, where we have a direct democracy, um, which it's not about one party which is ruling the country, uh, but if it's ruling one party, the country, it makes really difficult uh, if you don't have a good successor uh, who really understands and says, okay, I'm going to follow up that, I'm going to bring it to another level, whatever. And maybe there with the time will also be a change. And maybe these examples are very important, very important, because as you say, Paris worldwide is really emblematic city because of history, because of poetry, because of whatever. It, it really influences people emotionally, you know. If you talk about Paris, you see eyes open up. Oh, Paris, beautiful. And this is so important because people in the first hand don't go to Paris because there is a recyclerie. They go because of the Eiffel Tower, all the museum, all the history you can see there. 
But if they can see this project on the Champs-Élysées, if they can see around a change on the Eiffel Tower to say, wow, that's huge, emblematic, you know, this is like, don't touch it. And they won't touch it, but they would do something around it. That will be a, a, an awesome change and a smashing change for people to realizing it's possible. And therefore, I see a real role model. Uh, not only could be London as well, but London has another history, you know, which is uh, which is also important. But Paris is very historical, a city which has an emblematic role, and, and and this kind of discussion can also show what can be a change to a better city. The um, <clears throat> so there's a. I've lost my train of thought. What was I going to say? That thing about London not having any history has lost my um as as throat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry about that. No, no, you have a history, but it's completely. I mean, I remember when I read about London. It's completely built. Uh, it's like it's like the trade city worldwide in history, which is absolutely important. Not nothing about that, and has this history. But uh, thinking about the kings now in France, which were maybe for me were more emblematic and bigger. And Louis XIV, I mean, the king of the of the sun, Soleil was. Just that image, you know, and this is Paris because Versailles is not far away, you know. So it's like your kings had another role and still have them <laughs> to be more provocative. Our don't exist anymore. So that's also a kind of interesting history. Madame, Madame Guillotine. The question that I, um, the question that I was going to, um, I was, or, is it a question or a reflection? It was to say that it does feel like even though, um, the pandemic has seen um, uh, many, um, many significant and very vivid steps forward in the um, in the goal that we share of bringing more nature into into cities. Um, <clears throat> even though this has been this agenda is becoming um, is becoming further advanced, I think you're right. There's an there was an element um, uh, in this during the period building up to now in which it was a question of personality, right? Did somebody come in and with the, um, with the will and the flamboyance, the kind of the, um, the, um, the star power to be able, and the, and, and the skillfulness of their, you know, the, the, a skilled politician that was able to, um, able to work the different interest groups in such a way that these, um, these uh, very significant advances were, um, were made. I wonder, <clears throat> I wonder because I think this is interesting on a, in a in a wider sense. Um, the extent to which now it's conceivable for a um, for a, um, a governing party or a governing um, mayor, you know, executive in a in a city 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 region, is it conceivable for the, for someone to come in now and just undo? Um, or um or stymie stifle to um to promote um to promote um concrete over um over nature to promote um business over the the environment Can, do, does it feel i know it's it was it's great news that um, um that hidalgo was re-elected in um in paris but i think it's an interesting thing for us all to consider whether or not um whether or not we still have a role to play democratically or whether you know whether we have to defend the advances that have been made or have, has, the, has the, the battle of persuasion already been won now so that to go back is unthinkable. How do you, how do you see that? It's, it's actually it's a good, it's, I think it's a question reflection in, in all. And you're right. Um, 
I think uh, it's one point that is clear if it's one personality and she can keep on being there, it's brilliant. Of course, if it wouldn't happen that way, then the question is, what are, what's with the citizen? And that would have been interesting to see now, which of course didn't happen. But maybe now if you think about that, so many Parisians in the center of Paris were happy with her, but those outskirts people working, coming by car inside every day, they just hated her because she was saying, we stopped the car. It's not going to be happening anymore. We're going step by step, but that will be the future. So they would just, I think, uh, they would have been happy not to have her anymore, you know. And I think then it would have been interesting to see if if the, the people living in the center would just stand up for that and saying, okay, uh, if you're going to change now something because we don't have Hidalgo anymore, it's not going to work. So uh, that would have been interesting to see if people really, would really stand up for that, maybe. And somehow I'm, I'm really a positive thinking person. One day it has to come that people stand up and say, either we just want to go ahead with these changes because we are good on a good track and it looks brilliant and I, it's so great to have these opportunities or they're just so fed up that they say, I want to have a change now. So you have to rise, stand up and, and say, and, and just ask your democratic uh, rights which I think you're completely right, you know. I just see it, of course, now, when you see, when you look further and not only Europe, you just see what happened in the United States. Happily, we had a change there, but four years ago, or even longer, I think it's five or six years, it was like, it's a horror, you see, it's just, no, it can't happen. This person we have to have now, and even, of course, the American worse than we, and he's going to change everything. And if you see what Biden changed within a very short, tiny time of laws and initiatives Trump had done, then you have to say, yes, it's actually possible, but it's unfortunately possible on both sides to make these severe changes. And I think the best example is really the United States we had in the last years and Biden who is just changing all this back again to a positive impact, you know. And if you if you reflect on that, how thin the pass is in between to make a better world, from my perspective and your perspective, of course, and to make it worse, is 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 actually uh, making really you think a lot and you say, um, I think we have to stand up as citizen and not only wait until we have this personality who makes the changes. That's right. That's. That would be my reflection on that. Yeah, I think it's, it's interesting, isn't it? When we think about the like the narrow window of open, like the or rather the, the 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 thinness of the line that we have to we have to walk without falling off into either side. I do. When you say about standing up as citizens, it makes me think that I think um, a, a cleaner and healthier natural environment that surrounds us all is. I think it's one of the things that need not be, um, need not succumb to identity politics and to the risk of being politicized by one side or or the other. Like it, I'm not saying it couldn't be politicized to say oh, all of the left always want to have nice trees, <laughs> but, 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 but the, the benefits of, um, the benefits of, um, of, 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 of cleaner air, but also, of um, of a connection with um, with with nature of seeing um, of seeing um, healthy habitats um, around us 
um, where we um, where we go. That's the kind of this is the kind of ground where I feel like there might be the possibility for kind of the kind of collaborative community politics which can get beyond or go around behind the um you know the 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 anger and the um and the, and the hostility that we see in some um in some ways in which we um which we experience which we experience politics i think that there's something there's something secular if if you like about the um about the idea of bringing more nature into the city and it just being a better place for us for us to um <clears throat> For us to be so listen this is a great um the recyclery is a great um example in itself when you say that it's helped to um to inform some of the um the other other sites that the government uh the the the, the city authority owns in the reinventing paris initiative which would you say um beyond the recyclery which would you say if someone was coming to like if we will one day be able to travel again um Someone, um, someone coming to Paris would. Um, who, which ones would you say to look out for to come to visit? Are there what you what what are you excited by in um, in some of the um, in some of the other things that you see happening in in the city or maybe beyond in in, in France more generally? Well, actually, now if you, if I come back to Paris, of course, if you follow up this line, this uh, petite ceinture verte which is in the center, which is also in my back. Uh, there are many projects and you can walk up there as well. So you have like some kilometers they opened up for pedestrian. So it's like a high line in a kind of a high rise uh, or high line, I, I think. Um, so of course, this is very interesting to see and go there. And I'm sure there are new projects, which I haven't seen because it's now two years ago since I haven't been there. Also because of one, one point is Corona and the lockdown. Um, so I don't know where they are now, but all the 24 projects, sites, they should be in a state. So if you can look it up, of course, you, you should go there and look where this, where, at which stage they are. They are. Some are already finished. Some are nearly finished because of just delays, whatever. And there's another project which is called, which is also along this line, is called La Ferme du Rail. So it's like the farm of the railway, railways. And it actually is a farm where they're producing and the whole building, which was built from zero, is completely ecological construction. So wooden, whatever, with all the techniques and all about uh, sustainability and local materials and low footprint. And they're producing there. So there you want to find also horticulture students of the city. So the city gardeners learning there. Uh, you will have... Um, um, people living on the street having also some rooms there to stay there. They are also integrated in the work uh, circular uh, or the work chain of this farm. So they're going to collect compost all over the neighborhood and bringing it to and just feed the compost. There you have aquaponic systems. So people can go there, buy food, buy vegetables in the, in the shop. There's a little shop, there's a little restaurant as well. So this is actually also a very lovely project, which I saw in the starting phase of the building in, in the middle of, and I don't know how it ended up, but it's working as my colleagues told me. So it's just it's, it's just running, it's ruling, it's, it's, it's just producing. Um, so I think it's the best is really to follow up and to find these sites and check out what, what happened there and what they did do, you know. And, and of course, follow up Paris Nature to see if there are the Champs-Élysées now, if the project is going to start, if they're doing something, 
or uh, the Eiffel Tower around. I think there are several. It's just to to follow up and to look on on the internet. What's up um, in Paris on this side? Not about the historical side, but just the biodiverse natural side. So, um, so one last question before I, I want to jump. I want to jump across to the um, to the to the regular kind of the finish up questions that I that I ask everybody. But just before I do this, um, thinking about a number of different sites makes me wonder. Here in the UK, we have the um, the language which is kind of emerging or crystallizing around the efforts to improve nature in our cities is around um, what we call nature recovery networks. Um, so to have so to think about sites as stepping stones and making cities increasingly porous to to nature this is familiar to all of us obviously in principle at work in this um in this space but i think the language of nature recovery when we're also aware of the biodiversity crisis um is a it's a really interesting and powerful idea and to think about nature recovery networks has an interesting possibility for i think for the psychology of um, of um, of environmental improvement, and I'm I'm in, I'm thinking a lot at the moment about landscape. And um, I first heard um, um, a chap called uh, Tony Whitbread. He's an ecologist and um, former head of Sussex Wildlife Trust, who I've interviewed on this podcast before. Um, and he's um, he's spoken um, a lot about um, landscape scale approach to thinking about things. And I'm wondering whether or not there is a, is there, is, is there in, um, in Paris a kind of a similar understanding about how these different, um, the, the different interventions in different places help um, at a landscape scale? Is that part of the understanding as well? Absolutely, absolutely, because there are a lot of biologists, ecologists also working in, in uh, institutions which are, uh, like, let's say, not, not only national, but also on the uh, regional. So if you think about Paris, this Ile-de-France, which used to be the department, is the region now. So they're trying, of course, to, to work with this network and to support these projects uh in in evaluating them or crediting them uh if they are really stepping stones within this landscape mosaic way so through the city and to make connections with it of course that's why as well this railway track is of course a corridor a circular one but it has access to others to uh uh street trees alleys whatever so actually it's it's absolutely thought through this way you know but of course in the in the city plan away uh you could do more if you would integrate that in a way so these 24 sites were actually chosen as well as i said because they had to be renovated and so it's maybe more in a random idea but it has some connectivity if you look at it and if you just bring the 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 green surface map on the top of it so you will see you can of course think of connection and if you think these sites if i would work on one of these projects i would make first a connection to what's just next to it what kind of species would i try to support to promote what kind of vegetation types what kind of measures would it be a facade would it be green would it be both would it be more in the ground to try to put a park what would be more the logical way of of just bringing that together so this is also absolutely uh, one of the topics in in this planning way of paris and of course of other city i think this is going to spread out anyway slowly slowly but this planning way thinking 
where you need as especially ecologists and biologists in is to understand this network way and the mobility of species uh, to to go through a city to stop in a city to have a habitat where they can produce whatever so uh, production you know fertilize or uh, just having young um birds, whatever, insects. So this is the way of thinking, which is coming more and more through the cities, of course. Yeah, brilliant. And I think that in my, certainly in my work, the, work, the direction that my work is going, it's about um, helping not just the, um, the designers of the spaces, but the users of those spaces to understand themselves at a, at a landscape scale, because I believe you know, there's 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 a lot of now um, uh, of, of of evidence around the um, the um, the way in which nature connection cognitively and emotionally engaging with the nature around us um, helps us to be you know all of the things that we need right now like um, uh, less anxious, um, more fulfilled, uh, more secure. Uh, but also more pro-environmental. There's like it's dark. I think I, how these things are measured um, is probably for another um, another episode. But the ways in which people exhibit pro-environmental behaviour is almost doubled when you have a, a an emotional and a cognitive Im, um, a relationship with the nature around us. And I think one of the huge benefits that's not spoken about enough, which is really the next frontier, is as we bring all of this nature into the city. How do we get people to actually not just be next to it, be adjacent to it, but actually more and more, um, more and more engaging with it? And as you've described, one of the brilliant ways of doing that for whether it's for um, for homeless people or for um, or for students or whoever it may be, for to get if we can get those communities who are nature poor working with nature, we get so much more benefit than. Um, than, than, than we can than we can do already so um so yeah in every way it sounds like um paris is um is really is really leading the way and it's um it's really lovely to um to get under the skin of the place and understand what's been what's been happening there in recent years thanks ever so much Nat. could i um could i just before we go could i just ask you the um a few questions that i ask everyone um at the end i'll give give you a little bit of time to prepare this maybe not enough um <laughs> over the questions at lunchtime but um uh, yeah first of all um if you were president for the day what one thing might you change to um to make the world a better place maybe that in in any country um the president uh, the president or uh, of of a country um is obliged to have aside him um consultants consultancies uh, of young generation, so let's say the climate change generation, um, also um, more women around, just that even if it's a woman or it's a man, of course, more women who just give social aspects, uh, also um, economical aspects, how, how work, how life could be in a better balance. And of course, also biologists, ecologists, just being around them and just listen to them. And it's an obligation, you know, and to make decision out of this consultancy. I don't know how many people it's going to be, but just that it's not, of course they have this, but it's just clear who these people are, you know, they are already 50, 60 years old. If you think about now uh, this um, this opening speech of, of um, was of uh, Amanda Gorman in the United States, you know, that's an example for me to show. Yeah, it's not only to make an opening because it's really a milestone what she did, but to have this person aside you to be a consultant, which and several of them 
young people are not only being 70 years old and being the president at the end of your life, doing good things, okay, but no, to have them around you and they have to be officially around him or around her, you know, that would be an obligation. So that really several perception come in how the future could be, you know, and, and of course, scientists are well, as well, as I said, ecologists, they have to be part of it, they have to be listened to it and, and to make changes and to, to have good solutions. Maybe it's that, I don't know, but that could be an obligation for each president on this planet. Balance government for, every, for everybody and maybe- Every government, yeah. Disclose as well, disclose as well who's influencing you. So yeah. to the, to the other side. Um, okay, wonderful. So um, a book or a podcast that you love? Also difficult again, but I would say one of the authors which uh, inspired me a lot when I started to study was uh, Vandana Shiva, um, also a, a big, big, big person, uh, role player, a model for, for many young students and, of course, women. Uh, the way she is, the humbleness and the ideas she had, the changes she did, she was just a maker. And this is something which really inspired me and touched me a lot. And I, I read a lot about her. So, um, yeah, I would say she's one of the top uh, between many's in, in, on my book list. Okay, so she's on the book list. And then I've got also, although it, could, it sounds almost like it was a similar answer, a person that you admire. So you can add, you can add her or you can have... Uh, it's, it's just um, stupid again, also difficult. But I just said Jane Goodall. Uh, she inspired me a lot, a lot, and also touching personality, what she did her whole life, and not an, an easy environment, but that is really brilliant. And you have others, of course, uh, gorillas, whatever, she was a chimpanzees, it doesn't matter, but there are so many women again, because I grew up in like more role model like men doing something, and I never heard about them, what women did. And now, nowadays, easier because there are more women popping up and showing up. But I heard that later on what she did, and I was was clear this is a role model for me. Vandana Shiva again. Lately as well, uh, RGB. I don't know if you Ruth uh, Bader Ginsburg. Uh, I never heard. I didn't hear, hear about a lot about her. But when I saw her biography, the movie, the documentary about her, I was like breathtaking, uh, two tears. What this humble pe person did. Uh, and not many people talk about it. And this is something I want to change. Oh, that would be a next wish <laughs> to put all these, especially women role models who did in the past centuries, uh, did make changes, but no one talks about it. And really brilliant changes, I have to say. Socially, ecological, for, for really for granted. And the last, I know it's just one, but is this young woman, Amanda Gorman, that's the new one. Uh, brilliant, brilliant. Um, I can't say I was touched it. I was touched um, emotionally, intellectually. Uh, and it was like just a black young woman standing up there. It was wow. I love the um, I love the picture. You know that the meme on um, that's going on that goes on social media. How it started, how it's going, and there was that amazing picture of her local library, where where she was when she was like just a young a young girl, and she was being given a um, like a mm. plaque for um, for for some award or or something that she'd um, that she'd won, and then at the um, at the ceremony, I just thought it was yeah visionary and um, 
the most uplifting part of the entire ceremony without um without a shadow of a of a doubt yeah like f- former former q for um admiring her i'm i'm sure we're going to be seeing um seeing seeing lots more from her and what an amazing role model for um for exactly and, and you know what it is it's with words and this is where it's with poem poem it's not with music it's not this one stars and flashy fashion thing it was really just with deep words and about her life, a reflection about the society generation. And I hope this is really, as you said, a role model to young people to say, words are important, words is a language, words is, is action, words is reflection. And it's, this is much more important than be like a, a, a top, I don't know, um, vo- the voice singer, which whatever is just with simple, with very simple things. And this, that's what marked me the most. That was really the biggest milestone to say, okay, wow. Yeah, here, here. Okay, then fin- to finish up, this may be the easiest or the most difficult of the lot. Now, <laughs> your favorite place to spend, to immerse yourself in nature and why? <laughs> uh, actually, well, um, as everybody working in, with nature is actually to be there, to, to relax, to enjoy it to observe the nature and I feel very comfortable there and I feel like being also uh, uh, an ambassador or advocate for plants, animals, because I respect them. They give me so much um, and I just, my, my, my work or my vision or my driver is just to support and protect the rest we have. So it's in forests and rivers anywhere where you have a nature, even in the cities, if there is a little park or some, some green, I just, this is where I stop and just have a look at it and, 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 and like and love to observe it. Amazing. The most nature-connected person I know. <laughs> well, thank you ever so much for joining me from Switzerland today. Oh, with pleasure. Thanks, thanks a lot to you to inviting me. That was really great. Thank you very much. Good to talk with you.